the direct benefit that that is obvious to to everybody uh, listening to this of having lead flow is you got leads, you got deals, of course, but there's an indirect benefit that a lot of people don't realize that have never experienced this uh, consistent flow of leads. And that's this phenomenon, I guess you could call it, where when you've got a stack of leads on your desk waiting for you to call them, it makes it easier in your head for you to get the deal with whatever seller you're talking to. Because you've got that stack of leads, you're that much more confident when you're talking to the seller. Because now all of a sudden you don't need this seller's deal. You got 50 other sellers, they're waiting for you to call them. Perfect. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, I wanted to get our special guest on the line. He is killing it right now. Uh, he's in, well, not too far from me. You know, I just learned that. Uh, I just found that out uh, as we uh, jumped on this, uh, this line today. But not too far from me, uh, right outside of the Winston-Salem area. And as you guys know, I'm here in the triad as well. I'm in uh, Greensboro. And, you know, obviously we have a nationwide audience, uh, but, you know, uh, a, lo a lot of you guys in our area right now are really killing it in the market. You're really looking, uh, especially those who, who are just getting started, really out there just taking action. And that's what this business is all about, right? It's about uh, doing what you have to do to get to where you want to go. At the end of the day, right? You have to take massive action in order to get massive results. And we're doing that on this channel through wholesaling and creative finance deals, creative real estate investing. Obviously, there's a lot of other ways to make money in real estate, but I truly believe that this is the easiest way for anybody to really take advantage of the real estate business without using a lot of their own capital, without using a lot of their own uh, money, uh, money, time, credit, anything like that. Uh, so I believe that when you control real estate, and you guys know I, lo I love to talk about this on the channel, but when you control real estate or you take ownership without having to put your own name on a dotted line and uh, taking uh, debt under your personal name, you can make a lot of money. Now, granted, there's times where you could use uh, let's say the bird strategy where you, you're probably going to end up putting some debt under your name to make a lot of money in, in real estate. That's another great way to make money. Uh, but in my humblest opinion, and uh, I'm trying to be very humble with this uh, sarcastically, <laughs> I think that wholesaling to build up passive income while focusing on creative uh, uh, wholesaling to build up active income, sorry. And uh uh, creative investing, creative finance strategies to build up uh, passive income, and also create opportunities where you could get paid multiple times, uh, money up front, money every month, and money on the back end. It's just the way to go. And you don't have to put this debt under your name and you can make a lot of money doing it. So that's exactly why I wanted to get Blair Halver on the line today. We're going to talk about his pipeline method. He's crushing it right now with it. And I, and I truly believe that you guys We'll be able to benefit from this podcast. What's up, Blair? What's going on, man? What's up, Jamel? Thanks so much for having me on, man. Glad to be here. Oh, man, it's a pleasure, brother. I, I appreciate you uh, jumping on. I know that uh, we met through Julie Houston, uh, who, yeah. you know, she's uh, my joint venture manager. And, uh, 
you know, we're really starting to get to know each other now. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like we, <laughs> you know, we, we've known each other for a very long time. We like to be real. Uh, but you seem like a really great guy, man. And, uh, and I'm happy to know you uh, within this relatively short period of time. man. so I'm here to learn from you just like everybody else, man. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, brother? Yeah. Well, first of all, likewise, man, I'm glad to get to uh, connect with you here. And yeah, man, we're right down the road from each other. So we got to get up sometime. Yeah, man. But but um, yeah, man, I, I got into real estate, uh, the whole real estate investing world way back, like right before the last crash, you know, back in 2007, 2008, I started doing some wholesale deals and then started my own um, real estate investor, <clears throat> excuse me, real estate investor lead generation service called DealBot. I had that for a long time. We generated leads for clients all over the country. And uh, I actually got away from doing deals during that time up until about 2016. And I started seeing all my marketing clients at, in DealBot start doing all these crazy high equity deals from the leads I was sending them. I was like, man, I got to get back into doing some deals here, right? So uh, just a few years ago, back in 2016, got back into doing my own deals, did them locally in Winston-Salem, right you know, down the road from you there. And um, have since expanded nationwide. We just do nationwide deals now because, you know, I wouldn't go into the house anymore anyway. So I figured, well, why do I got to do them local? You know, let's just do them anywhere they pop up. And that's been a real game changer for us. And we could talk about that a little bit as well. But, um, you know, when you can, you can get a motivated seller lead for four or five bucks instead of 50 bucks. I mean, it just changes the economics of the whole game. So that's what we're doing now. Absolutely, man. And, and that's exactly why I wanted to get you on the line, man. Your business model is very, very similar to mine. Uh, and, I, you know, I, it's one thing when you hear it from the same guy all the time, but when you hear it from another source, maybe in a different way, uh, people learn things in different ways, right? They hear things in different ways. I really think that that's going to help benefit the audience, man. So uh, what were you doing before you jumped into real estate? Yeah, you know, crazy enough, and not a lot of people know this about me. I actually used to work in uh, television production, oh, wow. so I did sound recording for a bunch of unscripted shows, mostly reality TV, some talk shows. In fact, my first job out of college, way back when, was working for the Dr. Phil show out in LA. Worked in Hollywood for several years. Moved down to Atlanta. There's a lot of production work down there. Have done half of the Real Housewives series. Real Housewives, Atlanta, Miami, DC, and a bunch of others in that genre as well. Um, and I got to tell you, like, you know, that was a 12 year career for me. And uh, it was fun while it lasted, but I'm so glad to be out of it and be doing real estate now full time, you know? Yeah, man. So why did you choose real estate as the vehicle, man? Like, how did you, how did you get started? You know, I, I, I probably like a lot of other folks, uh, I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You probably read that too. Yep. And, um, you know, that, I mean, at the time I read that, that was my first real eye-opening book into like the whole world of money at all. And I had just gotten married. I read it the first year of our marriage and um, I had already been working in television, making good money in that. And I was just, you know, doing the whole job thing, working for an hourly rate. It was a good hourly rate, but still just working, you know, for the, for, you know, wage. And then read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and as you know, it kind of leans people towards real estate in general, finance overall, but, you know, real estate in particular. And so that's what got me started down the path. Um, and, uh, you know, like a lot of people start out wholesaling, like you just said, to build up 
uh, you know, cash reserves, build up your active income, and then, you know, parlay that into more passive income through creative financing, that sort of thing. That's the only way to do it, man, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so was it an easy transition going from, let's say, uh, corporate or television world into real estate? Yeah, actually, I mean, depends on how you look at it, but I'm going to say, no, it was not an easy transition. Now I had always been kind of entrepreneurial ever since I read that book, rich dad, poor dad, mm-hmm. real estate happened to be the the vehicle, the main vehicle through which I was, you know, doing all my entrepreneurial stuff. And so I had that, you know, kind of mentality, um, already of trying to do my own thing and that sort of thing. But man, it took me I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I started in real estate in 08 and I didn't really get out of television until like 2015 or 16. So several years when this was just a side hustle for me, you know what I mean? And uh, it wasn't until I really just kind of, I guess the best way to put it is, you know, you got to have that burn the ships moment. Yeah. You know, and I just burned the ships. I was like, look, I'm going all in on this real estate thing. I'm going to make it work, do or die. And so I, I left my career in television and never looking back. You know what I mean? Cool, man. So what, what type of mindset shift did it take? Because obviously you were getting a paycheck at one point, right? Uh, now you're stepping into a world where you're not getting a paycheck. You got to pay yourself. You got to eat. If you don't work or if you don't produce, then there, there's no food on the table, right? So how, how, what type of mindset shift did it take for you to be able to become a successful investor? Yeah, you know, and actually, I, w- I was fortunate in this regard. In the television world, everybody's freelance, mm-hmm. so nobody really has like a full time job with a steady paycheck. So it was always, you know, I'd go work on a show for three months, and then I'd be off for a month looking for my next gig. So I always already had that mindset of, all right, man, I got to go like make something happen. But the thing, the difference in that world versus real estate is you know, it's fairly easy to have a level of certainty that you're going to find your next gig. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in real estate, like if you don't know what you're doing, you're just out there, you know, just trying to find a deal. You don't know when that next deal is coming unless you like put a system in place and you, you know, you got the, the whole thing down. But um, so that was the biggest shift is knowing that, you know, I got to like take it up a notch in terms of hunting for the next deal, number one. And then, you know, once you get good at that, then you build it into a system and a process and then you can delegate it out to, you know, an assistant or VA and that sort of thing. But uh, I tell you, like the biggest burn the ships moment, and I don't mean this to sound self-serving at all, but uh, I came up, <clears throat> came up under uh, Ron Legrand. He was my mentor. And it wasn't until I plunked down like whatever, 35, 40 grand on his whole like big coaching program to where like that was the moment is like, all right, th- this, this is do or die. Like I've passed the point of no return. And I think for a lot of people, that's what it's going to take. And I don't mean to sa- sound self-serving because, you know, I, now I have my own coaching program and all that sort of thing. But that really is like part of the reason these guys charge so much is because they know that if, if you or if I in that position, you know, make that investment in myself. It's like, you know, it gets me 80, 90% of the way to success. Yep. Doing nothing else. As long as I follow through on it, you know, you know, it's funny, man. We were just talking right before we jumped on the line and I told you, you know, at one point I was charging $50,000. Yeah, dude. It was, and, and my success rate was really high because when someone makes that type of investment into themselves, they're going to push. 
versus somebody who buys a $97 product. Majority of those people, and I'm not picking, picking on people who invest in $97 products. But my point is the more skin in a game you have, the, the more chances you have of succeeding. You want to get your investment back, especially when you invest $50,000, $10,000 into a coaching package, right? Um, uh, when you have that type of skin in a game, your chances of success skyrockets, period, right? Yeah. So um, it's just a different type of mindset that you take on, on at that level. Now, I have Ron Legrand on my, on my podcast. Uh, he's actually one of my original guests. I'm going oh, yeah. uh, to link him on, uh, up at the top. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can check out that uh, Terms uh, podcast we did as well. Be sure to check that out. It was a really, really good one. A lot of people love it. But yeah, man, obviously you, you've been doing this for, for a few years at this point. Um, what type of obstacles did you face over that time frame? Man, like if I had to boil it down to one word, it was cash flow. Mm. Like, you know, what they don't tell you at the seminars is, you know, yeah, passive income is great, but don't rely on the monthly cash flow for your living expenses, at least not at first. Um, you know, so you probably do a lot of these as well. And the way Ron taught me, you know, you build your business on that front end cash deposit, like from a tenant buyer or down payment from your terms buyer or whatever you run your business based on that big cash payday up front. Then everything else after that is gravy the monthly yep. cash flow and any back end equity that there might be a couple of years down the road. So if you can do that, then that, that sets you up for more success, I think. Um, but you know, people out there today, they're like, oh yeah, let me, you know, go buy 10, 12 rentals, make 300 bucks a month each cash flow, And they think they're, you know, going to be set for life. Well, it doesn't really work like that, you know, cause that 300 bucks a month gets eaten up real fast. So you got to have a lot of other cash flow coming in. So you can do this by doing these terms deals and getting that big upfront cash payment from your buyer, your tenant buyer, or like you were saying earlier, and we were talking about, you know, wholesale for the active income, yep you know, and then build the passive income and that all that's gravy on the side. You know what I mean? That's right, man. And when it comes to these terms deals, a lot of that upfront, I consider to be active income anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then it becomes passive. Like you said, it's bread and butter. Uh, it, it's a uh, gravy after, yeah, yeah. after you collect that. And then, uh, you know, when you collect on the back end, when you decide to exit, if you decide to exit, uh, that's just additional gravy on top. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, I love that business model, man. I, you know, I've been, I've been uh, doing it for years at this point, man. And, uh, and I absolutely uh, make a killing doing it. And that's why I teach it. You know, we want to teach what, what's really working. We want to teach what we're actually doing. Right. So speaking of which, man, you, you got this pipeline method. Uh, you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I just I'm a big believer in let's just boil things down to its very essence and speak clearly and look at it very clearly and plainly. And when you do that, to this business of real estate investing, it really isn't too complicated. And it really, I mean, you could say this about any business. And uh, this is, you know, part of what Ron taught me. And of course, I put my own little spin on it here. But, you know, um, the, the first step in any business is locating those prospects, right? Getting the leads coming in, pre-screening them using scripts. And you got to be able to identify suspects versus prospects as quickly as possible, right? And then make the offer. And there's a certain way you do that where you get the seller to make the offer to you instead of you making the offer to them. 
and then just follow up and close quickly. And that's the whole thing. So the pipeline method for us in my business today, we're getting all our deals and leads from Facebook ads. We run Facebook lead form ads uh, all across the country, nationwide for ourselves, for our own house business and for uh, clients as well. And um, the leads come in, we do the opening call, closing call, and uh, we do the deal meeting over video chat. And, um, and then, you know, follow up, close quickly, get the deal sold, man, get the payday. Cool, man. So why don't we provide our listeners with, let's say, a five-step process to achieving the pipeline method, like starting from scratch to, let's say, getting their first check. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's think about this. So first step really is generating the leads. Okay. So you got to have that consistent lead flow. Now there's a couple, well, the direct benefit that that is obvious to, to everybody uh, listening to this of having lead flow is you got leads, you got deals, of course, but there's an indirect benefit that a lot of people don't realize that have never experienced this uh, consistent flow of leads. And that's this phenomenon, I guess you could call it, where when you've got a stack of leads on your desk waiting for you to call them, it makes it easier in your head for you to get the deal with whatever seller you're talking to. Because you've got that stack of leads, you're that much more confident when you're talking to the seller. Because now all of a sudden you don't need this seller's deal. You got 50 other sellers, they're waiting for you to call them. That's a, a, like a key critical component to the whole thing that a lot of people don't realize and we don't talk about much. But that confidence is what helps you get better at getting deals and getting better deals, getting better numbers on your deals. Let me pause right there for a second. Yeah. So basically what you're saying, and I understand exactly what what you're saying, because we use the same exact approach. You have, let's say, a virtual assistant qualified of leads, and now you have this stack of leads that are waiting for you. They're they're already already pre-qualified, right? They're already waiting for you to contact them to make them some type of offer. When you call them, it's just that much easier to talk to them. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So we, there's two ways you can do it. So the opening call and the closing call, you can have a VA or an assistant do that opening call, which Mm -hmm. is the pre-screening step, the diagnostic call, the discovery call, whatever you want to call it. You can have a VA or an assistant do that. And then you come on for the closing call. You call them back at a certain time. What we found though, in a lot of cases, there's drop-off between those two phone calls, right? Sometimes you just never get back in touch with the seller for whatever reason. They just ghost you or whatever. So to combat that, and now nowadays, I don't talk to sellers as much. I've got a team that does it, right? And in fact, I've got a, an acquisitionist who's been with us uh, for three, four years almost now. Uh, she's based locally in Winston-Salem where we do a lot of our deals still. And she handles the opening call and the closing call right on the same phone call together, particularly to avoid that drop-off between those two. Now, of course, she spends a lot of time, you know, talking to, you know, suspects, but, you know, that's her job, right? (laughs) And suspects into the prospects. Right, right. You got to pre-screen them as quickly as you possibly can and then go right into that closing call right on the same phone call. Gotcha, man. So that, that's step number one, understanding how to, how to uh, market for leads. What would be step number two? Yeah. So step two in our pipeline method of four steps. Uh, step two is that opening call where we just talked about that. So, you know, everything's scripted out because we're doing everything by phone. So the seller can't see that, you know, you're reading a script. 
you know, and as long as you practice it and you kind of internalize it, it's not going to sound like you're reading a script. So that's important as well. But you want to follow scripts because it, it turns the business into a repeatable process. If you don't have some kind of repeatable system or process, I mean, it's just a, another job for yourself, right? So, and you're just, you know, out there doing deals willy nilly and you might be successful at it, but it's nothing repeatable that you could eventually dele delegate to somebody else and take more of a business owner role then. So it's important to have everything scripted out. So that second step then is the pre-screening aspect of it. And that's where we get, you know, basic property info. What's their motivation for selling? What do they owe on the house? You know, are they open to a uh, uh, taking a monthly payment for the house or do they need to be paid off in all cash? What's the least they could take? You know, all that sort of thing. No, it's, it's funny, man, because, you know, I, and I tell people this all the time, you know, uh, when you're in the sales business, uh, and, and you understand that uh, in order to be successful at sales, you know, most salespeople that are successful, I'm willing to bet they have a script right in front of them. So, uh, you know, everything that you do in business should be scripted out. And that way you stay on top of things. You stay ahead of the conversation when you're talking with the seller. Everything that you want to say should be scripted to a certain point, right? Obviously, you want to sound natural. You want to sound like yourself. But um, you should know what the key points are that you want to bring out when you're on the phone with that seller. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. I love everything, having everything scripted. And even if you don't read it word for word, and you don't stick to it word for word. You know, that's fine as long as you are have that experience and you can do that. But like when we have clients and students come into our coaching program and they're brand new to the business, we tell them, look, the closer you can stick to the script, especially in the beginning, the better uh, until you really get a feel for it. And you've done a few deals, you've got some deals under your belt and you can kind of free freestyle it a little bit. But yeah, the scripts are super important, especially if you're new. You said it best, man. Stick to the script, right? Yeah. That's the best way to do it. So right. what would be step number three? Yeah. So step number three, after the opening call, step two, step three is what we refer to as the closing call. So normally, like we said, nowadays, we just combine those steps two and three, the opening and the closing call together on the same phone call. So we don't, you know, we try to minimize that drop off between those two steps. The closing call um, really could go one of three ways in our world. And it really depends on what you discover about the seller's situation on that opening call or that opening call portion, um, you know, based on how much equity they have what their asking price is, whether they need cash or they can take a terms deal or whatever, it's going to tell you which way to go with the deal. And I said three options, actually four counting uh, the cash deal option. Um, so obviously, you know, deal one would and script one for the closing call would be cash deals. Uh, script two would be a subject two. So if there's any debt, existing debt on the property, um, we're going to use that subject two script, you know, whether they're going to be owed some equity over and above their mortgage or not. We're still going to use that subject to script. Um, option three would be a straight owner financing script. So if they own the property free and clear, the script's just a little bit different than sub two. And so we use that. And then my probably, I don't want to say least favorite, but the one we try to use the least is a sandwich lease purchase where we're actually going to lease option from the seller and then lease option out to our buyer. I prefer to take title to the house. I want to buy the house. I don't want to lease it from the seller. That way I'm in total control of the, the deal. 
um, you know, in the house from start to finish. Once I take title, I don't have to talk to the seller anymore or, or get their permission to sell it down the road and that sort of thing. Does that make sense? That's right, That's right man. Um, yeah. Same exact approach. Like I said, man, your business model sounds almost, <laughs> almost exactly the same way as yeah. I was in. Just, just so you guys know, uh, when, when Blair says subject to, uh, that can be, uh, it can be a wraparound mortgage or yeah. subject to as well. Cause wrap wraps are in a sense, taking a property subject to the existing financing as well. So, uh, there are multiple ways to do that. You know what I mean? So, uh, it, it's just, you, you get a different type of benefit with a wrap versus a, a sub two, but yeah, sub twos, owner finance, lease options, and obviously the cash offer situation as well. You were going to say something, bro? Yeah, well, you know, exactly right about the your point about the subject to when I say sub two, you know, we're really just talking about buying a house on terms from a seller who has an existing yep. debt on the house, whatever financial instrument or transaction type uh, that the uh, closing title company or the closing agent wants to put in place, or that you need to put in place because of the seller situation, whether it's a wrap mortgage or a wrap plus a carryback or a wrap, including the carryback or whatever it is, all that is kind of lumped in there in, uh, in my world, talking yep. to sellers who have existing debt on the property. That's right, man. And we have the first three steps out of the way. What, what was the, what was the last step of the so process? Last yeah, last step is to go ahead and get that thing sold. And we have a uh, speed selling process. So we actually, you know, a lot of folks, they, they talk about building up your buyer's list before you have a deal so that you can sell the deal as quickly as possible. Well, we do it the other way around. We use the property as bait to go build our buyer's list on the fly. Now, if we're doing a local deal, we've got a buyer's list and that's all fine and good. But Nowadays we do nationwide deals and, you know, we might get a deal in Elk City, Oklahoma. Well, I don't, I'm not going to go build a buyer's list in Elk City before I have a deal there, right? So I'm going to let the deal guide where I go build a buyer's list. And the thing that people don't realize, you know, they talk about like building a buyer's list. The buyer's list already exists out there. You just got to go get them. So nowadays, you know, we'll use tools like PropStream, you know, list source. Uh, we have some other um, list companies, but, and, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, it seems like every other week they're coming out with a new way to, you know, get data feeds and all this sort of thing. But the, the point is the lists are out there. You just got to go find them. I mean, it could be as easy as, you know, let's say you got a terms deal on a little rental house in Elk City, Oklahoma, and all you got, all you got to do is go to like the local section eight. Uh, rental house listing website. And there's all the section eight landlords right there. There's your buyer's list. Yep. Go call those local landlords, try to wholesale your deal to them. That's right. We like go section eight.com. And, go. Um, you know, th th like you said, man, there's, there's the buyer's list is already there, especially with the creative investing side of things. When you're wholesaling, uh, especially nowadays, uh, you, they, they can fall in that same boat as well. As long as you, to me, here's the deal, man. We don't sell houses, we sell deals. You know what That's I mean? Right. We sell the deal. Uh, we sell the benefit in the deal. So if we can position our marketing that way, uh, and we're remembering that we're not selling houses, we're selling the benefit uh, along with the house. Uh, that's where we're going to make most of the money. The buyers are going to come, whether it's wholesaling or creative investing, man. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. 100% man. The house is, I, I don't want to say irrelevant, but almost irrelevant. 
Yeah. Like it, it's all about the numbers, the economics of the deal, whether it's cash or terms. And, you know, I, all these cash investors out there, the wholesalers and the rehabbers, I like to, you know, kind of make them or confuse them when I say like the price is almost irrelevant. Yep. If you're talking about a terms deal. Yep. Almost irrelevant, the price. And everybody's so hung up on the price. Look, I don't care what the price is because let me ask you this. Would you ever buy a $250,000 house for $300,000? Yeah, why not? Okay. See, most people say, heck no. And then I, t- and then <laughs> I would ask them, well, what if it was zero down and a dollar a month until paid? Right? You'd do that deal, right? All day long, man. You know, let me give you an example. So, you know, I just I recently just did a, a video up on YouTube uh, on how um, I locked down. I took down a house in Tallahassee, Florida. I've never been to Tallahassee a day in my life. All right. But um, I literally paid top market value for this house. But then I sold it on a lease purchase for ten thousand dollars more, took the uh, the upfront money. And then every, you know, the three hundred and fifty dollars I'm going to make on a, on a monthly basis is basically going to be you know, like you said, gravy. And the difference when a buyer cashes me out in three years is going to be additional gravy. So, but I paid market value for that. Well, the house is worth about 105. I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it. You know what I mean? They didn't need any work. The, uh, uh, the seller is all the way in California. He just wanted to get out. I took it, uh, uh, I took it subject to the existing financing and, and basically sold it on a lease purchase. Great deal. You know, and, um, you know, most investors will look at that and say, hey, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. Most most wholesalers will look at that and say, I'm not going to do that deal because they're looking for the deep discount. But that's where the gravy is made, man. That's where the money is made when you can do something that everybody else is not focusing on and uh, still be able to create a winning situation. To me, every lead that comes across my desk has an opportunity to make some money. It doesn't matter if it has equity or not. Um, that's, we're looking at each opportunity. As long as the seller is in, uh, we're going to make something happen on that situation where, uh, there's a, a small town outside of, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's right outside of Wilmington, North Carolina, the sellers, they want to move to Florida. Let me look for this. Sellers want to move to Florida. Uh, I can't remember the name of the area though. Um, but we just got the contract on it. Right. Um, never been to the area a day in my life. Uh, houses in that area going for about 145 to 150. I'm paying 140 for it. They're looking for 4K down. I know I'm going to be able to sell this thing. It's, in, it's, in, it's an immaculate uh, uh, condition. So if I put it up for 149.9 or 150 on a lease purchase, you think somebody's going to take that? Absolutely. Right. And I'm just going to take the down payment from the buyer and pay the $4,000 down to the seller. And keep the difference in my pockets. That's how this stuff works. It's easy, guys. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's overly, uh, it's easier than what it it, it really is because you got to know how to structure these the right way. But that's why you have attorneys as well, right? So there's nothing stopping you, nothing stopping you from uh, getting started, from uh, doing these creative deals, from if you're wholesaling right now, all of the no's that you got in the past when these cash deals, go back to the seller and say, hey, how about we do this? I can pay you a little bit more money for the house, right? You have leads, just contact the sellers, make this happen. But you got to learn like what you're doing right now and you got to take advantage of these opportunities. Speaking of which, Blair, obviously we can't cover everything on 
a short podcast. How can our listeners find out more about what you do or where can they go to find out more information? Yeah. You know, the easiest way to find me, just go to pipelinemethod.com, pipelinemethod.com, or you can just Google my name, Blair Halver, B-L-A-I-R-H-A-L, V as in Victor, E-R. Cool, man. I'm going to link that in the description box as well. For those of you guys who want to check it out, see what Blair is doing, get more of a an inside look at what he's doing right now. Make sure you guys check that link in the show notes. Um, I want to give a shout out before we, before we move forward. Um, I want to give a shout out because this podcast and this uh, YouTube page has really been growing. Let me give, give a shout out to some, some countries. You might hear my kids in the background. You guys already know, I, you know, I do this. Uh, I have a home office and I got a one-year-old. So, <laughs> but uh, I want to give a shout out not only to the United States, obviously, but Canada, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Ireland, France, Russia, United Kingdom, Mexico, Singapore, Germany, Bahamas, Botswana, the Netherlands, Israel, Nigeria, Sweden, Spain, Australia, Guam, Romania, Uruguay. Hope I'm saying that right. Switzerland, Poland, and India. My audience is growing on this podcast in those areas. So I really do appreciate each and every single one of those countries listening in. And as the audience continues to grow, I'm going to continue to give you guys shout outs. I appreciate you guys for that. So we're, we're really uh, being heard around the world right now. And this is, uh, this is, uh, it's fun to know that. Um, But Blair, man, uh, obviously, you know, education is really, really important, right? And um, our listeners will uh, visit your link in our description box. But if you had to uh, provide our listeners with one book that they can use to get started or something that you're currently reading, what would that book be? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you haven't read that yet, I mean, what are you waiting for? But uh, other than that, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of Ron. His books are good, but there's one that uh, there's another book that most people probably haven't heard of. And my wife, she teases me because the the title is funny, but uh, in this business, I learned a, a long time ago that you really need some thick skin, right? A lot of times you deal with people that don't want to deal with you and you just got to get off the phone with them, but still it's like, you need that thick skin, right? So there's a, fa- um, a book called Thick Face, Black Heart. Mm. And it's a, it's a business book back from the 80s and 90s, I think. But it will help you develop that alligator skin that you need to really take this business to the next level. So I, I recommend that one. That's the first time I've ever heard of that book, man. I got to check it out yeah. myself. Do, do, do yeah, you know good. if they have it on Audible? Uh, I don't know. I would think they do, but uh, it's kind of an old book and not like super popular in getting the rounds these days. So. No doubt, man. You know, one of my favorites, I'm going to throw this out there as well. And I'll, and I'll link all these books in the description box for you guys. We got Thick Skin, Black Heart. We got Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll uh, see if I can find some Ron Grand books. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm going to throw in one. You ready for this, man? You probably heard of it. The, the Richest Man in Babylon. Yes. Great yeah. book, man. I love that book. Um, I, I, I put that book right up there with, uh, rich dad, poor dad, um, to me, that's, those are my two number ones right there. So a great book. I'll, I'll make sure I'll link that stuff in the description box. So, Hey man, if you had to provide our listeners with any last words of advice, 
what would those words be? Yeah, I think probably the, the, the best words of advice that I could leave anybody in this business with, um, a motto from one of my early mentors is just two words, expect success. When you get into this business and you start doing it and you embody that as your motto, expect success, you'll see that that just those two words, those simple two words goes so much deeper than just the surface of I'm going to expect success. It ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy Yeah. in your business, in your life. If you expect things to turn out well, then they will turn out well. That's right, man. And the way you think, uh, well, there's a book called Thinking and uh, Thinking Grow Rich, but uh, not that's not the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of as a man thinketh, yeah. right? The way you think about things will actually materialize based off of your, your thought process. Uh, I'm going to link that in the description box as well, as a man thinketh. Um, definitely check out those books. Couldn't have said that better myself, Blair. It's been a real pleasure, man. We got to have you back in the near future. Would you be up to that? Yeah, sounds good, man. Anytime. Cool, cool, man. I know you're you're a wealth of knowledge. I'm just getting to know you myself, man. Uh, but you know, you 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 come uh, with very kind words from a lot of different people, and um, looking forward to continuing to build this relationship, man. And like you said, man, you're right in my local area, man. We got to get up and and go have an IPA or something like that. If you're, you know, I, yeah. I like I like IPAs, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, man. Sounds, sounds good. good. But hey, man, I appreciate having you on. I appreciate you guys listening in. Make sure you listen to this podcast. Again, pick up all of the nuggets that Blair dropped on this podcast because it has been fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Peace. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy dot com and that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today talk to you later